This is the Game Level Learn podcast. Join us as we discuss games, gaming, and gamification in the context of teaching and learning. We discuss games new and old and unpack how those games might be used out of the box as a tool for game-based learning, while also discussing how the mechanics of games can be repurposed for entirely different learning objectives. If you're a teacher or a student, parent, administrator, game designer, game publisher, writer, or just someone interested in cutting-edge education, Game Level Learn is for you. My name is John Cassie. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8, the last episode of Season 2 of Game Level Learn's podcast. I am joined, as always, by my friendly, lovely, smart friend and former co-worker, Tracy Wozniger. Tracy, it's so great to see you, as always. It sure is. Yeah. I mean, it's good to see you, too. Yes, I know it's good to see you, Tracy. It's always good to see you. But I meant it's good to see you. Yeah. Now, friends, uh, before we got online, you know, we we have a pre-show. We've we've talked about this in in past episodes that we go for for a very long time. This pre-show featured uh, strongly a very large orange frosted cookie. That Tracy, <laughs> that Tracy was eating. I have no cookies here uh, in in Southern California. Uh, cookies were outlawed by by plebiscite <laughs> in 2015. So I'm sad. I'm very sad because here I live in, you know, once you cross the border, it's all quinoa and kale. You could have a but quinoa and kale cookie. Yeah. Ew. But here in Pennsylvania, it's pumpkin spice season. It is cookies everywhere. Cookies and cider, leaves uh, yes. changing color. You're killing me. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, it's seventy degrees. Ooh. It's so warm. Brutal. Gross. Yeah, it's been uh, it it's been it's been unreliably temp sort of seasonal here. Right. With right now it being sort of Santa Ana, which means okay. you know, for those of you who do, who are not Southern Californians, that means that you get this wind that comes in from the desert. And rather than it being, you know, sort of, sort of, kind of lovely, you know, the way that people think about Southern California, th- these winds bring in all of this desert heat, and they bring in this dryness, and they bring in sort of sand, and it's always, you know, during Santa Ana's when 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 people sort of start to go a little crazy in Southern California. Uh, Joan Didion has a really famous essay where she wrote about Los Angeles burning. During, uh, you know, during a Santa Ana, you know, that people were just going crazy. So let's hope that that doesn't in, uh, you know, in, in, in influence the, uh, the, you know, the way we're going on this podcast. Uh, so if you'll remember, friends, from the last episode, we talked a lot about role playing games as board games. So we're sort of prefiguring, if you will, or foreshadowing. The third season of Game Level Learn, which is going to be all about role-playing games, role-playing game mechanics, how they work, why you should play them, and why they're so great. And we're going to start that season, you know, in in a couple of months. We're going to need to take some time for holidays and all that jazz. We need to write the content for this, uh, you know, for this season because we 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 actually do a lot of preparation before we get going. So, yeah, go and maybe and maybe get some special guest stars. And maybe have some guests on. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I've got a few I'm thinking of inviting. Tracy's got a few she's thinking of bringing on. I've got a few. You know, 
and so we're we're gonna we're we're gonna bring that bring that out. Um, Tracy, in this episode, we're gonna do two pieces of work, getting folks thinking about next season. Okay. First thing we're gonna do is similar to our top ten episode in season one, where we've cut. Co- I know, right? This is a great episode. That was a great episode, <laughs> and I have every confidence that this, at least the first segment of this episode is going to be just as good, (laughs) right? No promises on the second. Uh, The first segment of this this episode, we're going to share our top three RPG role-playing game systems we'd like you to go look at. So hard. We'd like three. Exactly. But we're going to, we're going to moderate ourselves and who knows, maybe we'll decide that three wasn't enough and we'll drop a special episode with three more somewhere okay. down the road. Or we'll start next season with a, here are the five we didn't talk about, but we should have, right? Maybe we'll do something like that. Right. Okay. Right. So top three systems. Mine are in no particular order, but just, you know, here are Same. three. Okay. Right. And, and then we're going to give you some homework, dear listener. And we hope that that's not going to cause our subscription numbers to tank. <laughs> People to bail out of the Facebook group. Homework on a podcast. It's outrageous. Bye We're done. Right. <laughs> Tracy, our numbers are dropping 50 an hour. Oh, my God. We're doomed. Uh, so top three systems. Tracy, you've been okay. role-playing for a long time, correct? I've been role-playing... For three years, so not a very not long, so long time. Okay. I'll be interested to see if our perspective is shaped by how long we've been in this because yeah. I'm I'm 49 and I have been role-playing since I think I got the starter box of pre-advanced Dungeons & Dragons. I think I got that for Christmas in 1978. I was born in 1979. Yeah, right. No, it might have been in 1979 <laughs> that I got that that I got that box. I can't quite remember, but it was. I so mean, you have much more experience than me, which doesn't mean anything in role playing. It's really about how much you're prepared no. to give, right, to the experience. But I have, and I and I will say, you know, asterisks for me. I have not experienced probably near as many systems as you. Uh, probably, but I don't think that that really makes. No, any, I, any... I think I still have some good suggestions, but I'm I'm sort of beginning that journey of. Yeah. I want to know all the systems. Totally. I just I can't get enough of <clears throat> learning a new system right now. You'll find yourself in 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 a decade if you're not careful, with a library like mine, which has, I've I've got oh, I'm I've getting, got yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Almost everything I bought at Gen Con this year was RPG books. I've got probably 200 books <gasps> of different systems that I bought just because I wanted to read their... Well, I'm going to stop buying them. I'm just going to have you send them to me. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I, I could. Uh, 
I could I could troll in the in the the the, the deep deep end of the pool with some of these systems, obviously. Right. But I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to things that are uh, that really resonate for me. I mean, I, I could pick probably fifty things that you should read, but you know, I've right. got a I've got a top three, and you've got a top. I'm gonna three. go. Yes, and I'm gonna. I'm going for entry level approachable. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna do the same thing. You might disagree, and the readers, uh, the listeners, might disagree with how approachable these things are. But I think I'm gonna do the same thing. You want to start us off, Trace? Sure. Give me your first one. Okay, so my first one is Fiasco. Um. So Great Fiasco. System. Fiasco um, is a single small book, um, and it's there are multiple scenarios in the book and the instructions for how to play. Essentially, when you play Fiasco, um, you have all six-sided dice, and you have note cards between you and the people next to you. You roll all the dice at the beginning, and they have numbers on them. Obviously, you've rolled them. And those are the dice you get to spend to define your character and your character's relationship to the people sitting next to you. They have a seemingly endless supply of scenarios online. I've played twice. The first, we were in high school high. Um, So a high school scenario. And I played... Yeah, it was delightful. And um, a couple... Maybe a month ago, two months ago, I played um, with my Pathfinder group. We played a game of Fiasco where we were at like a summer, it was like a summer camp slasher movie. Um, So they have all different kinds of scenarios for whatever, like they have ones that would be mysteries, ones that would be science fiction fantasy, um, horror, history related noir, crime, western, anything. You can make anything into a mm-hmm. fiasco mm-hmm. scenario. The mechanisms are super easy. You just need six-sided dice and some note cards. You're ready to go. It's a dynamite so, game. It's dynamite. It so plays fiasco, really fast. Yeah. Fiasco is my first recommendation. What a, oh, I just love that game. Okay, what's your I first just love that game. Okay, I am going to go with the game that only the most kind of deep veterans will probably have ever heard of, but it's, it's readily available on uh, a webpage called Drive Through RPG, which is yep. your 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 home on the internet for role-playing game products. I'm going to recommend this game for, one, selfish reasons. I write for them, but also because there's there's an advantage to it. The game is called Harp, High Adventure Role-Playing. Harp is a streamlined, highly playable fantasy role-playing system that has all of the tropes and themes that you look for in a fantasy role-playing game. But it doesn't have a 900-page rule book. The way that you play the game is very straightforward. 
there's the die rolling you want in your combat experiences so that they're, they've got enough of the kind of random factors going on that it's like, okay, well, what's actually happening? Okay. The game is based on a much more complicated game. I would recommend this game as well, but, but it's, it's much more complicated called Rollmaster. Rollmaster, it, it, one, of the, one of the things I am not a huge fan of in most or in many um, fantasy role-playing games uh, is the fact that if I just keep poking you on the shoulder for one point of damage, eventually I'll do 90 points of damage and then you'll just keel over dead because you don't have any hit points left. Right. Right, which to me totally fails from a storytelling narrative perspective. In Harp, in Rollmaster, you're never going to die from that. You're always going to die because of some kind of critical hit that's been applied to you. Okay. By And, of course, the different kinds of attacks you might take would generate different kinds of critical hits, right? So if I use my, my chi force, you know, because I'm this badass martial artist, well, there are martial arts strikes, um, like uh, like in Dune, you know, you have the the, the you know the warriors who who use sound to destroy their enemies, right? If if yeah. I if I slice you open, that's different than if I puncture you, and and these critical hit charts have all of this great kind of um, kind of storytelling embedded within the within the die rolling and figuring out. Okay, well, I just rolled a a ninety six. What does that mean? And I think for people new to gaming, new to fantasy gaming. Pathfinder's too complicated. Correct. And Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition doesn't resolve what I think Dungeons & Dragons' fundamental flaws are. This is me. You know, I know we'll get letters. It's fine. I'll answer them. And Harp is just a nice, simple fantasy game from the old school. You know, Rollmaster's from the 80s. It has that old school flavor, but it doesn't have so much of it that you couldn't actually get going without having a master's degree in game studies or 25 years experience playing. Pathfinder's hard. A lot of people play it. Dungeons and Dragons is hard. hard. Yeah, they're hard. So I'm going to suggest folks go to DriveThruRPG uh, and get and have a look at Harp. The basic book is, is $10. So Great. Yeah. Okay. What's your second? My second is Dread. Oh, I'm so glad you picked that. <laughs> so I played so again, I'm now in my in my RPG journey right now. My quest is devour as many RPG systems as possible. So at Gen Con in August, I signed up for some different RPG games um, to try different systems. So I was very lucky to get into a dread game. Um, that was uh, Jack the Ripper themed. Oh, because wow. If you, if you remember from season one, top ten list, Letters from Whitechapel. Right, Jack right. the Ripper themed. Yep. Um, so Dread is very simple to play. Um, it's probably, it looks to me like it's probably quite a bit of work for the, the DM or the GM, the, the dungeon master. In this case, I'd call them a game master. Yep. Um, it looks like it's quite a bit of work for for that person, um, but basically we were handed characters um, of people 
um, that were alive in the time of Jack the Ripper. And it's the game is mostly role-playing. So you acting, making decisions that you think your character would make. And instead of rolling dice for skill checks, you have to remove a piece from a Jenga tower. And when the Jenga tower falls, you die. Um, so the dread is the actual dread you feel whilst removing Jenga pieces from a Jenga tower. So I really liked it because you don't need dice. Easy to set up. If if you have a GM that's willing to write a game and and do some of that work, I could imagine you could do some um, collaboration on character generation and things like that. Um, super fun. We played in about three hours. Uh, great entry-level game. I can't hear you. How about now? Yes, now. I can uh, hear good. you. Uh, Were you doing, like, flavor text while I was talking? That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah we missed yep. all of it. Yep. It's all, no, no, it's all. <laughs> um, Dread is so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. Great choice. I'm glad you played that. Thank you. Me too. Yeah, that's not something I have I've... the book now. It's one of the books I bought at Gen Con. Yeah, they put that book back into print. It used to be uh, virtually impossible to find. Yeah. Yeah, so that's great. Uh, okay. Now in my library. <clears throat> Brilliant. Okay, my second game, uh, my second and third games, Tracy, I've played with you. Okay. <gasps> and I would have picked them anyway, but I'm picking them because, you know, they were, they're very meaningful. They're very important to me. Uh, my second game is The Quiet Year. Oh. Okay. And The Quiet Year is an independent um, role-playing game in which you and your fellow players take on members of a community, the identity of a community. So you're not playing an individual person, you're playing a community. And over the course of a year, you're shaping the experiences and stories and... Uh, and life journey of this community as it recovers from a devastating crisis and prepares for the inevitable next crisis that comes in winter. The, uh, the game is played by means of flipping over special cards. There's 52 of them. You set, you set them up. All the spring cards are first, then the summer, then the fall, and then you've got the winter cards. You shuffle them separately first, You've got a card in the winter deck that ends the game, so it could happen, you know, you get, it could be the first thing that happens in the winter, it could be the last thing somewhere in between. And because of the way the cards are written and the way it encourages you to play and to be really thoughtful about how the community is thinking about what the community is doing, even with inexperienced players, it generates a very lovely, meaningful story. If you write the story down and you go back through it, it's very powerful. And it plays in a couple of hours. You make a map of what's going on in your community as you go. I mean, the inventor calls this a social mapping game. Um, I played it a few times with Tracy, and both times were dynamite. And I played it once at Gen Con with friends who we, we realized when we started the game that we had more than a century of game mastering experience at the table when we started the game. Wow. Right. And when we were done, 
the four of us, you know, pushed back from the table and said, that was one of the most, these three hours were one of the most meaningful gaming experiences I have ever had. And we've been at this, each one of us, for 30 years. And right. this experience was one of the most meaningful experiences ever. Uh, somehow the game, in the hands of people who take it, take it seriously. The game wants to ta- be taken seriously. You take it seriously, and it is a profound and moving experience. And it, it again, it, it, it plays very quickly. And it, there's no way to generate a campaign from it. You play it, you have the experience, you move on. Right. Play it again, totally different, you know, so. I would imagine, yeah. And that one is, um, doesn't require a game master. Nope. Nope, it's played, it's played collectively. Uh, the rules yep. are available online. You could play it with a deck of standard playing cards, or you could go buy at a, a proper game store, you know, that's really well merchandised, is going to have this in their indie game section. It comes in this little burlap bag. It's got great little little pieces and fiddly bits and uh, and a beautiful deck of cards. But really, all you need is the players, a nice piece of paper to draw your map on, and the deck of cards, and the right mindset. And you will not be disappointed. True. That's my, that's my second choice. Okay, ready for my third? Go. You're going to be mad. Go. Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. <laughs> <laughs> so is this is where D&D we're going to... This is where we're going to agree to disagree again, okay. like we did in the last episode. Go. Um, so I put D&D on my list. First of all, Dungeons & Dragons is the quintessential sure. role-playing game, right? Yeah. I get uh, We've that. all heard of it. We've all seen Stranger Things now. Right. Um, Dungeons & Dragons was the first game I played. Yep. I think. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, followed by Cats of Cthulhu. Um, (laughs) Call of Cthulhu is such a great game. Yeah. I think it's been renamed as Cats of Cthulhu. Really? We'll talk about it another time. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, so here's why I picked D&D 5E. Um, so Dungeons and Dragons is on the fifth edition. Yep. Um, it's. It's a bit pared down, I think. It's a little bit more user-friendly than 3.5. Um, I'm not, I've not played 4th edition. Um, Dungeons & Dragons is more complicated than Dread and Fiasco mm-hmm. and, and Quiet Year. You need a little bit of prep time to get ready to make a character. You're going to need some dice to play and a pretty qualified... Uh, DM usually they're called dungeon masters for Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. um, but here's what I think makes it a little bit more accessible for some people. Chances are, if you live near a pretty big uh, a city or a pretty big um, town, you're going to be able to find a local group that is playing Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition right now. Um, so I think it's going to be easy for people to find games. Um, or find people to play with. This this will give you the opportunity to to generate a character from scratch by filling in stat scores, strength, dex, constitution, wisdom, intelligence, things like that. Selecting skills, 
that would be appropriate for your class. So this is going to give you sort of that old, the old school role-playing game feel in a pretty accessible way in a pretty to easy, a pretty easy to find game, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you said, even though it, it, despite what I said previously about, about, Hulk. I think <clears throat> if you have the right DM combat, isn't a slog in 5e. I, and, have, I have heard this. And you can be, so what I think is not fun is when you're just picking away at a monster, but nothing is happening to you. There's no threat of danger. Right. Most of the 5e stuff I've played, and that this might be just because of my selections, but Death House, the intro to Curse of Strahd. Okay. I mean, if, if there's a 50% survival rate, that's great. Oh, wow. Right, and they've just um, released some of the best dungeons throughout history in a book called Tales of the Yawning Portal. That oh. includes the Tomb of Tomb of Horrors is in there. The classic Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's a murderous piece of work. That that dungeon. Right. Right. So yeah. there's there's you know there's some threat in D and D. You might not live. Right? right. You shouldn't. Don't get too attached. Tracy, do it's they It's not have... Call of Cthulhu, but... Uh, right. I mean, Call of Cthulhu, you're... Do not get attached. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that Tales of Yawning Horror, whatever the heck that book was Tale... called... Tales from the Yawning Portal. Yes. Let me tell you. Does Let me tell have... you... A... Does it have Expedition to the Barrier Peaks? No. Wait, let me not lie to you. So it has the Sunless Citadel, oh, the yeah. Forge of Fury, the Hidden Shrine of... Tamo Achen, I apologize. White Plume Mountain, Ooh, Dead and Fey, Against the Giants, and Tomb of Horrors. Oh, it's got Against the Giants. You've got some great stuff in there. It's, it's, so these adventures were, I think there's a couple of new ones, but like Sunless Citadel was picked because it's supposed to be one of the best intro adventures. Yeah, I was, um, I was digging out some stuff six months ago, uh, and I found my copy of Module B1, which was like In Search of the Unknown or something like that. The very first, the very first Dungeons and Dragons module that I game mastered. Wow. And I've got all of my notes from my, from being a 12 year old game master in there. And I'm like, oh yeah. That's where that, you know, I've used this concept in that room three or four more times. I just love that concept. I've recycled it, right? Um, Right. Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, too bad it's not in there, uh, is a uh, Dungeons & Dragons Gamma World crossover. Oh. Do you know Gamma World? I don't. Okay. But I'm a big fan of a crossover. (laughs) Gamma World in 30 seconds. Uh, there's been a nuclear disaster, nuclear war, boom, okay? Uh, Earth, totally devastated. Everything's changed, okay? Okay. Uh, we've got lots of kind of interesting kind of technology and what have you going around, all right? You've got three different kinds of character types that you can play. What's called a pure strain human, a human that has not been sort of irradiated, Right. Okay. A sort of mutantoid human, you know, that's been somehow, you know, damaged. Right. And then 
and then uh, basically an uplifted animal. So it's like you can play a talking cat or you can play yeah. a restrained human or whatever. Uh, super, super cool. Um, Expedition of the Barrier Peaks features basically a, a ship that has landed in Dungeons and Dragons land from Gamma World land. And you go in awesome. to explore it and it's like, what is this thing talking to me? I don't understand. Oh, it's the computer, but you don't know what right. computers are, right? So uh, Amazing. Yeah, it was a, it was it was silly, but yeah. it was it was great fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have nothing but the highest praise for that giant's sequence. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not there yet. I'm DMing Sunless Citadel oh, for some you, students and faculty. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. And when you do, oh yeah, that's it's just a nice piece of kind of classic design. I'm really looking forward to killing everyone in Tomb of Horrors. You're you're going to be hard pressed not to. They might not yeah. even make it into the Tomb of Horrors. It's that bad. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I loved DMing so, that. So anyway. Yeah, D&D, sorry. 5e, I really think we play, we host once a month at the library. I right. know there are other libraries here that do it, so there must be libraries across the country. Gaming stores have it. Oh, for sure. You know, where you can go. I think it should be pretty easy for people to find a 5e game if they want to try it. Right. It's going to be the most accessible thing that you can find, and you should right. definitely give it a go. Uh, you know, if you have an interest in this, and particularly, and if you have an interest in in fantasy storytelling, right? Right. I mean, it, it's really it's it's the one to play. Um, okay, tell me your last one, even though I know it. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, it's Numenera. Yeah, it has to be Numenera is a game that was uh, uh, one of the legends in the field. Uh, Monty Cook published this game uh, a number of years ago, and it is set in a far, 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 far future world, a kind of dying Earth kind of concept uh, where so much has happened that society is literally built on top of the ruins of eight previous worlds, right? And sort of the, the world in which you're playing it is called the ninth world. Uh, why I think you should play Numenera is, one, it is one of the most player-centered games that you're ever going to come across, at no point does the game master make die rolls, which is unheard right. of, right? The players always roll. The game, all the game master does is listen to what you want to do and set a difficulty level. And then you as the players have to do all the other things that you're going to do. Mechanically, the game runs very, very efficiently. And there's lots of opportunities for all different kinds of storytelling. If you want it to have a kind of Old West flavor, totally fine. If you want it to have a kind of Cthulhu flavor, totally fine. You want it to have a really a Dungeons and Dragons kind of high fantasy flavor, that can happen too. You want it to be, uh, uh, you know, like in a space opera, totally possible. Right. Um, the, the potential is, is limitless. Where I think Numenera is genius beyond genius is its character generation um, system. And I think everyone who is interested in role-playing should give this a try just to generate a character. Essentially what you're doing over the course of the character generation process is writing a sentence. And the sentence is of this form. I am an adjective noun who verbs. The adjective gives you a lot of flavor and tone that makes you separate from all of the other noun types. A noun is essentially your character class. 
and who verbs gives you the unique way in which you interact with the world. So it might be something like, I am a stealthy jack who rides the lightning. Okay. Stealthy is going to give you a whole bunch of specific powers. A jack is a character who's like a jack of all trades and who rides the lightning speaks to an assortment of lightning powers. As you generate the character, as you get these qualities, they also connect you with other players and with the world in meaningful ways. So when you start, all of the things that can sometimes make playing a role-playing game a little awkward to get going, all that is managed. And you just you just go. And I have, you know, I mean, like I said, I've been in this a long time. And I, I haven't been excited for a new game. It's so fun. Yeah. Loads of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's dynamite. And the games that I have GM'd, which uh, did not have a proper ending because we haven't been able to end it, Correct. I mean, I, I, I just feel like I need to stop doing other things and get back into <laughs> GMing, you know, because I really want to. And just want the, GM that Numenera game. Yeah, right, right. Um, and again, you, you can find Numenera anywhere. Yeah, It's not cheap, but you can find it anywhere. Right. And certainly right. worth it J- just to read it because, you know, the way that he thinks about game design, if you're interested in game design and you're interested in, in role playing as a kind of gestalt to think about teaching and learning, You'd learn a lot by reading what Monty Cook has to say about game design. He's a very thoughtful guy. So that's my third. All right, great. That's We made a great list. If you played any of these six games, yep. you, would be, you would be well served. Fiasco's great because it plays fast. You know, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition has got all of that history behind it. You know, harp... Super easy to get into. Numenera, complicated, but in a way that you can still manage. How can you go? Dread is... Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Any of these. Yeah, Yeah. those are great choices, Trace. Uh, You want to give your homework first? We'll go back and forth, right? We'll go back and forth. Yeah, we'll go back and forth. How many do you have? I have three. I only have two. Great. Okay, so maybe I should start then. So you start, yes. Okay, so here's my first... Uh, Go online, find a local gaming convention, and go to it. Even if it's just for a day. Go to it, play some board games, give a role-playing game a try. Take, go and play one of the games that we've talked about this season. Go and play Mysterium. People will be playing it. Go and play Codenames. Yep. Go and play Seven Wonders. Talk to people who are veterans about what makes that game so much fun to play, and then ask them for recommendations for two or three more. If you're lucky... And you get a con that runs like the ones that I go to now that I'm living back in Southern California. The ones that I, I we have people every day selling used games at uh, you know flea market kind of tables. We got a big auction right. at the end of the con. You know, you might be able to find some of these games that we've talked about for a song. You could buy them and take them home and give them a try. So now would you consider, so you said go to a gaming convention for a day. Yep. So here in Pittsburgh, I host twice a month at the library, a tabletop day. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I host a meetup for a day. So would that qualify? Yep. Yes. Yep. That gets gets me my check mark on my homework. Yep. 
go to Great. a go to a local meetup where you're going to get four or five hours of play. Don't go for an hour. You need a couple hours to play some of these games or to play a couple That's of right. these games. Right. So so go to a meetup, go to a local con, spend a day with people who really know their games. Write down some questions. Go and ask them some things. Uh, if something, if anything that we've said this season resonated, go and play that. Right. You know, because all the games that we've talked about this this year are uh, very accessible. They will inevitably, if you get 20 people together, there will be a copy of every one of these games. Yes. Uh, at least, I mean, I think. I think so too. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I think you're, you're at least you're, a handful of them. Yeah. You're not going to escape. You're not going to escape all these games. Yeah. You, you might it, veteran gamers might not bring dominion with them because they think, right. Oh, people aren't playing it anymore. They don't, you know, right. you know, I'm only going to bring that if my dominion buddy is there, but seven wonders. Right. Come on. Right. We played Mysterium last Saturday. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be using, Mysterium in exactly the way we talked about uh, in class in two weeks' time. Excellent. You know, so... Uh, I think I'm playing Letters from Whitechapel with the econ class at school soon. Nice. Yeah. God, it's a it's winter like, activity. We wait till it's winter. Yes. <laughs> Helps capture the, the flavor yeah, of the thing our, a little bit better. Our economics teacher likes it to be winter when we do that. Right. It's all good. <laughs> Uh, so that's my first go to a con or go to a meetup, right? Yeah. Okay. What's your, what's yeah. yours? What's your first one? My first homework is to create a character. Oh, I so love it. So pick, pick a role-playing system, follow the rules, create a character. Some of the stuff you'll be able to find online. So for example, um, Call of Cthulhu. I'm a little bit obsessed with Cthulhu right now. Um, <laughs> It's not a Call bad of thing. Cthulhu, you you can find quick start rules online for free. So you can just follow those instructions and create an investigator for Call of Cthulhu. Um, I would put good money on the fact that you can find a D&D player's manual at your local library. Yeah. Go to the library, follow the instructions, create a character. Spend a little bit of time in the system doing the work to create a character get some experience with the skills, the stats. It does, I don't care what system, pick something that you're interested in, but create a character from start to finish. It's ready to go. It's ready to play. Totally. Um, let me, let good me, luck not falling in love with it. Totally. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me reference an old school, small press game whose character generation system okay. is uh, humbling. Okay. It's a game okay. called Time Lords. Okay. Okay. Published by BTRC, Blacksburg Tactical Research Center. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In Time Lords, you play yourself. What? Okay. And basically the first adventure, uh, you acquire an object it's described as being a 20-sided die, but it weighs 10 times more than a 20-sided die would. Okay. And it's called a matrix, okay? And what the matrix does is allows you to move through time, okay? Okay. The problem is you need to have matrix skill in order to effectively use it. 
Right. So the first 10 or 15 adventures, you are pinging all over time, okay? Right. Insanely fun, okay? I should have some friends on. We, I, did a, I did a game. This was now 27 years ago. I could bring the, the, the players in who played that game, and they, they could read. Instantly. Because when you choose to sacrifice yourself... For another player, <laughs> you are literally sacrificing yourself. Yourself. Okay? It's extraordinary. But the character creation system is brutally humbling. <laughs> Lift up the following weights. Can you hold them for eight seconds? Then you get a constitution of X. If not, you get a constitution of X minus five. Oh, right? I desperately want to play this. Right. How how fast can you run a mile? Run a mile, not you say. Right? Fast at all. <laughs> right, right. We have a friend of ours who is one of these guys who's insanely handy and like good right? at everything, right? So I'm reading through all of these kind of skills, you know, cannon making. Yes. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. What? Why are you even asking our friend Jeff? Yes. I'm like, yeah. really? Yes. Well, I, it's, it, it's, it's the 16th century cannon, but it will, it will fire. Oh, for the love of God. Great, All right, Jeff. Jeff, you just get everything. <laughs> Dirigible flying. Jeff? You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Starship design. Yes. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, it's super humbling. It's a super fun game. I love this idea, Tracy. Go and create characters. Yes. Create yeah. a character. Yeah. Love it. Okay. My second one is play a game solo. Love to it. Kind of learn. To get really into a game's mechanics, to really get into right. how how it works, you referenced Arkham Horror, the card game, in the yeah. previous in the previous episode, and I said I would wait until now. I won't belabor it because I think you really hit the point. But what Arkham Horror, the card game, is so good at it is so exciting as a solo player because you've got a lot of things you have to manage. And a lot of decisions you have to make. And the stories, I mean, I have, I have all of the content from the very first box up until Paths of Carcosa, which was just the most recently released box. Okay. okay. So I've played, uh, you know, lots and lots and lots of these scenarios. None of them are bad. Some of them are unbelievably hard and super fun. Okay. Right. Um, Games that are designed for more than two often make very poor solo experiences. This was designed for one or two. Right. And it was clearly thoughtfully designed for one or two. There have been times I've played it where I have not succeeded and times I've, I've obviously I have succeeded. Um, I ran one of the... Each time they publish a new main storyline and then they it'll have six very small episodes. And right, then right, right. Within that box. Right. right within and, that expansion. Yeah, and then it'll com sort of complete the expansion and then you'll get a new big box. Each time you get a new big box, you get five new characters. They have basically five colors of cards that are, you know, you're a mystic, you're a drifter, you're a cop, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, so I will play these characters to start just to see how well they do. 
And I have in Evernote, I have sort of a running biography of all of the characters, you know. Um, Do you take them all the way back to the beginning and start them at box one? Yeah. Yeah. Every character has to do the three scenarios of Night of the Zealot. Okay. Which is the very first one. Uh, The very first three games. And then they move on. And then they move on either at this point to Dunwich Horror or they move on to Path of Carcosa. Okay. 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 But uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there. But the character who I like best and did did the best with has so much uh, mental and physical trauma, having completed oh. Dunwich Horror. She's alive, but if Is I it tried, the little girl. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a great character. Wow. Yeah. You know, the characters who who I thought looking at the box, okay, these would be sort of the best ones. They both they were both killed right. in the scenario. And for me, if you die, the character is no longer available. Gone forever. Right? So I just stri- put a strike through in the in Evernote, right? You made it this far and then you Mordhoff killed you or right. or whatever, right? Uh, because they're giving you new characters, so you get to kind of, you know, you yeah. get to kind of play with it. Um, you have to like the horror theme. I really do. You know, I've read all of Lovecraft. I love the Ar- right. I love Arkham Horror as a game. I love Eldritch Horror as a game. I love Elder Sign as a game. I love the Call of Cthulhu role playing game. It's totally in my wheelhouse. It's a great game. Right. I can't wait for the inevitable Shadows Over Innsmouth expansion because I always found that story to be just the creepiest of all. It's so creepy. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in so New creepy. England, so I, I I know for creepy New England seaside towns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great no story. <clears throat> yeah, no thanks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no thanks. So, so play a game solo, and you know, play some games maybe that are in your academic wheelhouse just to try them, right? Like for instance, I just played solo, not meant to be played solo at all, a game called Founding Fathers, which is based on the Constitutional Convention. Okay, okay. and I just played it just to see how does it how does it work, and I got a right. lot out of it as a as an educator. You know, as a gamer, perfectly fine experience. If I was playing it with three other people, it would have been a great game. But, you know, that's not how that's not how it's meant to be played. Right. Yeah. Okay. What's your second, okay. Trace? My second homework is to listen to podcasts. Good choice. So you're already listening to this podcast, but since we're going into season three. And we're going to be talking about role-playing games. I think that you should listen to some role-playing podcasts. There's a ton out there. Um, I stumbled upon um, a podcast called How We Roll Mm. via uh, my Dungeons & Dragons Facebook group. So How We Roll was starting Death House, which is the intro to Curse of Strahd. It's a famous Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Right. Um, and I, I'd played Death House before. I like Strahd as a vampire. It's all creepy vampire stuff. Right. Um, and someone posted, these guys are starting this up. Have a listen. So I started listening to them um, when they started Death House. Um, they, that's some of their more recent work. Um, Mm -hmm. The Curse of Strahd. Um, And I've since listened to most of their backlog. They play primarily Call of Cthulhu. Um, So that was my first exposure to Call of Cthulhu. And Dungeons and Dragons. They've played a few other things. Um, Inspectors, Everyone is John, some sort of 
um, lesser known one shot RPGs. Um, so here's why I think you should listen to How We Roll. First, it's pretty. It's a pretty good listen. They're pretty entertaining. Um, their keeper, he calls himself a keeper. That's what their the GM is called for Call of Cthulhu. Um, their keeper, Joe, is an elementary school teacher. Mm, mm. And you are hard-pressed while listening to Joe to not hear that he's a teacher. <laughs> so the way that he... In a good way. In a good way. Right, right. Um, in, a, in a very good way. Um, the way that he interacts with his players and encourages them... Um, just if you listen to just his feedback, I mean, I'd be sort of fascinated to actually keep track of how much positive encouragement and positive feedback he gives them um, throughout a game. So you can learn about role-playing games and you can hear um, a great keeper who is also a teacher and how I think that makes him a better keeper. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and my second podcast, um, I have a whole bunch of other ones that I haven't started yet, um, but my second podcast to listen to is called God's Fall, hmm. and this is, um, God's Fall um, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5e game, but the DM and the creator of the show has built his own world. Mm -hmm. and made his own some extra character rules mm -hmm. for how characters are designed. And um, I came to God's Fall through how we roll. Um, but the DM for God's Fall, Aram, has made this entire world with maps and different nations and different nice. people and ecosystems. Nice. I mean, it's beautiful. Um He's a fantastic DM. Um, the podcast is one of the most um, thoughtful, I think, as far as diversity in gaming. Mm. And, you know, they actually have conversations about women in gaming and, um, you know, people with different gender identities and things like that. Aram is sort of very nice. sensitive to these things and the group as a whole is sensitive. Um, but his world building is just, I, I don't, I don't understand how one person's mind <laughs> right, right. could make all of this. And all the players are super fun and relatable. If you're not in love with Doro by the time turtle fest is over, you're probably, <laughs> soulless right so listen to god's fall at least up to turtle fest and listen to how we roll my recommendation is to start with the curse of strahd brilliant great advice i'm totally gonna Thanks. do this too i'm totally gonna do this please do uh, really i mean yeah good I, i've been listening to nothing but these two podcasts for months i am absolutely gonna listen Okay, what's your third Okay, homework? my last one. Read a book about, about games. There's lots of good stuff being published. Um, obviously, you know, I, I beep beep my own horn, read my book, you know, because I think it's pretty good. But uh, in all fairness, uh, a couple that I think you should look at are Greg Topo, The Game Wants You to Win. 
which is a nice piece of journalism. Greg Topo is the kind of one of the most prestigious education reporters in the country. I think he works for the Washington Post, and it's about how young people interact with games, why teachers who use games are successful with reaching particularly hard-to-reach kids. Um, totally available, e- e- easy to get your hands on. My suspicion awesome. is that everyone who's listening to this podcast has read Jane McGonigal's Reality is Broken. Right. Yeah, but if you have not, you should go read that. That would be right. an important thing to look at. Um, Aaron Dignan wrote a book called Game Frame, which is really great at understanding the meta mechanics of how games of all kinds work. I found his thinking to be really uh, uh, kind of transparent. Like I really understood what he was talking about. And early in my kind of uh, my own writing process, reading his book was, was a very helpful kind of a transformative thing. And a book I'm just about to read is a book called Second Person. Okay. Okay. And it is a... Yeah, right? That's actually a game-level learned book club on Second Person or one of these other books is a great idea. Uh, Second Person is about uh, role-playing games, the mechanics of role-playing games, written by two scholars, Pat Harrigan and Noah Wardrip-Fruin, who are deeply interested in game scholarship. So they they care about how these games work and what makes them... Uh, what makes them meaningful, kind of writ large, and right, right, right. I've I've read they've written a, they've written a book called First Person and Second Person and Third Person. I've read okay. First Person, and it was really it's scholarly, right? So it's a, it can be heavy going sometimes, but Second Person is all about game mastering and gaming and role playing and narrative and all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm going to be reading that. Uh, that's my that's sort of what's on my reading list. So go read a good book. Excellent. Yeah, and. Uh, and Tracy, that brings us basically to the end of Game Level Learn Season 2. Shocking. Season 2. We've wow. done some good work. I think so. Yeah. I'm going to thank you publicly for being such a fantastic co-host. You bring so much to this. That, thank you. That, you know, I, uh, I think we're doing really important education work and... I'm glad that you're along for this journey because I would not, I wouldn't want to take it with anyone else. So, uh, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm that we're so happy to be here. Yeah. If it's, it's not obvious, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Right. We're doing good stuff. Don't you make that face. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, okay, folks. So, so look, um, you know, this episode's going to come out. We're going to take, Six weeks, eight weeks, something like that, to prep the next season, and to uh, you know do the family stuff, you know, holiday times and what have you. And when we get into uh, we get into early 2018, we'll be back with another season. This one about role playing games. Hard to know how long it'll be. Uh, this season right. was was consciously designed to be eight. Uh, to be eight episodes in length. The next one could be eight. It could be ten, twelve. 16, 5, there's no way to know. But I think it's going to be longer than this season was, would be my guess, because we've got a lot that is, that's, on our, that's on our plate that we've said, we're not going to talk about that now. We're going to talk about that in season three. Right. Yeah. Um, folks, you know how to find us. 
Game Level Learn on Facebook, GameLevelLearn.com. I'm at John Cassie at Gmail. Trace is at TLWazenegger at gmail.com. Even while we're on hiatus, email us, write us, call us, contribute on the Facebook group. We'll have content on the Facebook group that's going to bridge us from season two to season three. And uh, we thank you for taking this journey with us and uh, rolling some dice with us. And we're looking forward to talking about role playing. It's going to be great. Yeah. All right, Trace. We'll uh, we'll continue this uh, conversation uh, shortly. Yes. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye. You good? I'm recording. Okay, I'm yes, recording we're gonna too. Clap you're you're going to clap? You're going to clap me yeah. in? Yeah, are your hands ready? Ready. One, two, three. Clap, clap, clap. Good. You'd be shocked how many people um, don't have their hands ready. You would be shocked. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. You'd be shocked. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You may start now. You're very kind. Should I... Thank you. Should I start?